Thank you so much for choosing this podcast from CFTN Payson. We are Church for the Nations in Payson, Arizona. We are a Bible-believing church and believe God has a word for you today. You can reach us at www.cftnpayson.com or you can give us a call at 928-444-8791. We hope that you're blessed by the message that you've chosen today. God bless. Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? We have a healing God. <laughs> a miraculous God for all of Payson. Amen. God's showing himself strong. A lot of people have gone through a lot of stuff. I'll tell you what. We went through some stuff even at the end of last year. My wife got shingles in her right eye. And shingles, like, um, you know, it's, it's, one of, it's a really painful disease, but if you get it in your, like, if you get it in your eye, it can blind you. And she lost her sight. She was declared legally blind in her right eye. We had to take her into the hospital the week before Christmas, and they did an MRI because they wanted to see if it got into her brain. And, and so they do an MRI, and the doctor came out, and I, I travel so much that a lot of times I'm not always there to be supportive for every little thing, you know, in terms of physical support. I try, I try to support from where I am, but we're waiting for the MRI results, and I go get a sandwich because I'm hungry, and so sure enough, the report comes back of the MRI while I'm out getting a sandwich, so I come back, and my wife, my wife, my wife says the doctor just came in, the emergency doctor came in and gave me a report of the MRI, and he said they found a tumor in my brain, and I'm like, what? I can't believe this, like, what in the world is going on? We went into this for the shingles, and now they're saying there's a tumor in her brain. And I, you know, I didn't even know how to respond at first. I didn't want to be negative. I didn't want to be, but I, you know, I wanted to be supportive. And, but I, so I was like, you know, well, we're going to pray, and I'm here for you. And, and we're, we're and, and, and I went to walk out of the room for a moment. I said I had to go use the restroom, but really I just wanted to gain my composure and get some perspective for a moment to make sure I could get, uh, be supportive to my wife. And I walk out, and as I'm walking out of the room, I hear the Lord say to me, it will not be as the doctor said that it would be. And that report is inaccurate. And it's in that moment that I knew that I had a word from the Lord. And so I went back in the room and I told my wife what the Lord had said. And, and sure, sure enough, we had everybody in the body of Christ praying. We had to wait like a, mu- like a month almost before we could get into the neurologist to find out the report of the doctor to confirm or to not confirm, you know. I mean, I, I mean I'm not a guy that likes warfare, but there's, sometimes there's some warfare. Amen. And I like like Smith Wigglesworth idea of spiritual warfare. He wakes up in the middle of the night. He sees the enemy and he says, oh, it's just you, Satan. He lit up his candle or whatever. He blows it out and says, oh, it's just you and goes back to sleep. That's my idea of great spiritual warfare. You know, I don't like to give the enemy a lot of attention. Amen. But sometimes some things happen in your life that actually cause you to have to like move into a different place. The Bible says some come out only by prayer and fasting in terms of the demonic and those kinds of things. And Sometimes it requires us. And sometimes the Lord gets uses things. He doesn't, he doesn't cause it, but he uses it. And he allows it, you know, in a way, for lack of a better way to put it, to, you know, to get our attention, you know, in such a way that would cause us to be overcomers and be ones that would walk in what we're called to walk in. Amen? And sometimes we need something to move us in the next place. You know, in John 15, it actually speaks about, you know, the, the, bran- the branches and the pruning of the branches, you know. And I don't know about you, but, like, it talks about there if you're producing fruit. 
that you'll get pruned. I don't know about you. Like that word pruned, it just sounds awful. It sounds painful, right? I don't even like the word, right? Pruned. And then it doesn't seem fair, does it? Like, like I hear this scripture, it says like, you're going to be pruned because you're producing fruit. I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I mean, I'm producing fruit. People are getting healed. We're prophesying over people. I'm loving Jesus. I'm worshiping him, trying to lead people to Jesus. And then God says, I'm going to prune you. <laughs> and, you look, and you look at the end of that. Look at, look at the end of that. It says the reason why. Because he wants to make you more fruitful. He wants to be, make you one of more fruit. I mean, sometimes we just want to be content, you know, like, I don't know about you, but I'm like happy. You know, I, I go home, sit in my recliner, watch a movie, get some haagen ice cream out, get out some buttered popcorn and, you know, believe the grace message and I'm going to heaven, everything's okay. And Jesus is like, yeah, but I gave you unmerited favor for a reason, amen. I'm wanting to release you into some unmerited favor and that favor was with purpose, amen. And so, yeah, you've been fruitful, but you're sitting in the recliner, you got some extra time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you motivated. I'm going to get you fruit. And I'm not trying to say you shouldn't do those things or something like that. I'm not legalistic about that kind of stuff. I'm just saying, like, sometimes he has a bigger plan for us than we have for ourselves. Amen. Sometimes we, we, we're just happy where we're at. Amen. And so, you know, we had people praying all over the body of Christ. And my wife's eye was legally blind. But my wife now, she told me the report because we've been praying. Her eye has been healed. She sees in her eye. She now, she now says, because she was at one point, it was a process. Like, it, she was getting healed a little bit of a time. Like her eye, her eye was like 50% better. And then it was like 75% better. And then she's like 85, 90. And then finally she went up to 95%. I just asked her before I left for this particular trip, I, I asked her, um, what, what, what was going on with her eye? And she says, I actually feel like I see better than I did before I had the shingles. God, God has a better plan. Amen. I mean, who, who would have known that sickness and disease when he came out on the other side, you'd be stronger and you'd be better and you'd see better than you did before. Amen. And then, and then the tumor, we go in the doctor the, um, about the, with the neurologist and we ask the neurologist like, um, he, we're there to see him about this tumor. And he comes into the, the doctor finally comes in the room and he says, he says, so what can I do for you guys? And to be honest with you, I'm a little bit agitated now. Because like, what do you mean, what can you do for us? I mean, we're here about the tumor that's in her head, you know? I'm thinking this in my head. I didn't say it out loud that way, but that's how I felt, you know? A little bit agitated. And I said, well, I, I, I think we're kind of wanting to find out about this, this thing. The doctor said that she had a tumor in her head. Oh, he said, oh, about that. Like real casual. No big deal. He says, oh, he says, there's really nothing that we can find that's there. That doctor should have never told you what he told you and scared you. He said, we maybe say some white matter on there, which is normal with some aging of some sort. You know, although I didn't want to go there with my wife. But, 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 but that might have been worse than the tumor. Who knows? But, um, but anyway, she got over that. But there was no tumor there. And it was just like the Lord had said. Amen. You see, that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to, he tries to get you to live by circumstances and situations. He tries to produce fear, just like he was talking about the word that was to my brother, you know, there's not supposed to be fear there. Why? Because that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to incite fear based on the circumstances, the situations, the relationships, whatever's going on. Do you know that Jesus said this? Jesus said of himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. The word truth there is actually the word reality. It's the word that we speak as reality. It is not just speaking about the scriptures and knowing the word and the information of the scriptures and knowing right and wrong, even though those are testimonies of the reality of God. But Jesus himself was saying this. He's saying, I am another reality. 
I myself am a whole nother reality. And more than that, I'm from another reality. You know, Bill Johnson had a book and he wrote it, you know, Heaven Invades Earth. And, you know, he, and he talks about Jesus' prayer. Um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And it made Bill Johnson famous. But I have news for you. Jesus was the first one that said it. Amen. It wasn't Bill Johnson's word. It was Jesus' word. And so, you know, you know, here Jesus was trying to say something to us in terms of who he was. And that he was another reality. And Bill Johnson talks about that. And he says, you know, there's a superior reality. He speaks about the superior reality of the kingdom of God, of heavenly places, and he speaks about that in contrast to the inferior reality that we live in, the earth. Now, here's the thing. It's not about, like, pretending like this reality isn't real. If my brother had cancer, see, like some people used to teach it, well, don't, don't confess that you have cancer. The issue isn't about pretending like you're not sick when you're sick. The issue is about which reality do you believe has authority? See, see, the government of God is based on revelation. I'm going to teach on that this morning. But the government of God is based on revelation. The government of Antichrist, the government of Antichrist is built on information that's void of revelation. The government of the Antichrist, the enemy, of the one that wants to control this reality, is based on information that's void of revelation. You see, when you became born again, you got a spirit that was put inside of you. And that spirit becomes like a GPS to things called heavenly places or the kingdom of God, which also is inside of you that now gives you the ability to hear from God. What I'm calling revelation, that God would simply speak to you. And see, what God is trying to do is he's trying to download us with revelation about what his reality says about the information that we have about the reality that we live in. So when you have sickness and disease, that may be your reality. You could have a heart condition. You could have arthritis. You could have cancer. You could have some kind of neurological issue, whatever it might be that you have. And that's the report, and that's the information, and it is a reality. But there is another reality, and there is a reality that Jesus says that he is and that he is from. And he says that that reality has authority and it has a dominion over this reality. And when you get revelation of that reality, now you can bring that reality into this reality. You know, there's a scripture in Acts chapter 2 verse 4 that talks about, it says this, when you're filled with the Spirit, I probably told you this at some point when I came here, if any of you have heard me speak before. But it actually talks about when you're filled with the Spirit, that it wasn't just about speaking in tongues. If you look in the amplified version of the Bible, where it says you were all filled, it actually says in parentheses, it says diffused throughout your soul. It's literally talking about how do you get what is in your spirit into your soul. Like, the Apostle Paul did not say diffuse throughout your spirit. Why? Because your spirit's perfect. Your spirit is Jesus. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that lives inside of you. It's the same substance according to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5. It's the same 
life of Christ himself. I mean, some people are like, whoa, are you saying that's Christ? Yes, exactly. It's the exact same spirit that was resurrected out of the grave that now lives inside of you. So Paul's talking about how do I get what is in the spirit into my soul? Because see, grace people, sometimes if we get extreme grace, and I'm, I'm a big grace guy, but we'll think, well, we got it all already, which is true. That's what Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says. We've got all of God in us, the fullness of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're not lacking anything. You have the full stature of Jesus Christ. But then you have like somebody like Randy Clark, and he talks about, you know, there's a book that he wrote. It's called There's More of God. So you can get more of God. See, both are actually right. See, the apostolic is like, how do you build bridges between things rather than try to build camps that separate? Because the Spirit of God is about unity, and unity is a key to revival. Amen? And prayer is a key to revival, and prayer is how we begin to become sensitive in order to receive the revelation of God. And we see this thing when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just so we could speak in a tongue. See, in this particular passage of Scripture, these guys were speaking languages that they didn't know how to speak. It was a sign and a wonder to everybody that was around them. It's actually talking about how do you get what is in your spirit into your soul? See, like God designed you. Do you realize that? He designed you. Like when you got born again, it was quickened in you. Your spirit was quickened in you. You know what that means? That means you didn't have a spirit. Now you got a spirit when you got born again. Like you couldn't even get to heavenly places before. You couldn't get to heaven. Like God doesn't send anybody to hell. You just have to choose to get to heaven because he won't make you go. You have to have a spirit in order to inherit spirit. So you get born again of the spirit. And the Bible says that you get diffused in your soul. What's that mean? How do I get revelation of my identity, not just in the spirit, but in my soul? How do I get revelation of my inheritance, not just in the spirit? but in my soul. How do I get revelation of who God is, not just in the spirit, but in my soul? What's that mean? In my mind? How do I get the mind of Christ? See, Isaiah 55 in the Old Covenant says things like this. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. But that's not the New Covenant. That is the Old Covenant. The New Covenant says that you can think His thoughts because you have the mind of Christ. And when you can think His thoughts, you can actually live in His ways. You know, like God was not trying to say that this is impossible for you to do. He's trying to say this is possible because of what I've done inside of you. And then he takes out your old heart. He rips it out. And he gives you a brand new heart. And you have the heart of Jesus. See, like now when you have the mind of Christ and you can think the thoughts of God and you have the heart of God. <laughs> what do you think that does to your will? See, now you can believe. See, the Bible, when it talks about believe, it doesn't just mean that you believe that God exists and his promises exist because you've read some information and you're agreeing with it intellectually. It means that you're thoroughly convinced. It, mean, it means like, like it's not just that the preacher preached a good word and got me excited or the worship leader got me pumped up and I was excited about God. It means that God spoke to me for myself. I saw for myself. I felt for myself. I touched for myself. I experienced it for myself. And now I'm thoroughly convinced. Nobody can convince me differently. Nobody can take my healing. Nobody can take my success. Nobody can take my provision because I've seen it. I've seen it and I've touched it for myself. And so now, by your will, you're thoroughly convinced. So you walk in a new boldness. You walk in a new courage. You walk with dominion. You walk with authority. And you release it in the earth. See, look at this. You have the spirit. It gets in your soul. And you release it through your body. Right here on earth. Your flesh. 
becomes redeemed for the purposes of the kingdom of God so that you become the answer to heaven on earth. See, the Bible says that the kingdom of God, it lives inside of you. <laughs> like, I mean, sometimes I have a series out there. It's about Christ's glory in you. <laughs> it's on the back table. I only have one of them left. And so it's about breaking the religious spirit and knowing who you are in Christ. But honestly, sometimes I'm trying to figure out not like how, how to get Christ in me. But sometimes we're trying to convince people and help them believe somehow and come into agreement. You know, that, hey, it's Christ in you. You're not the same person. You're a brand new person. You died to an old nature. You've been resurrected. It's Christ in you. But see, I'm not trying to get Christ in me. I'm trying to get him out of me. I'm looking for a manifestation of the kingdom of God. Amen. I might have been here one time and I was, uh, and I might have told you this story and I, I apologize if I do because I, I did 144 meetings last year. I can't remember what I said, where I said it anymore. If I tell you the same story, but somebody hears something different. But I was in a, a place in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. This is the best story that I have to, to illustrate diffusion throughout your soul. And, and there was a woman that was in a wheelchair and that woman was in that wheelchair and I knew she wanted to be healed, but I had no word of knowledge. I had nothing. Um, from the Lord that um, he was going to heal her in any kind of a way. But I knew that she was there all night waiting to be prayed for, to be healed. And I'm praying for impartation for people. I'm simply just laying my hands on people. And as I'm laying my hands on them, I come to this woman and I go, okay, I have nothing still. So I'm just going to lay my hands on her. I'm going to pray for impartation. I'm just going to be obedient because God could use her just like anybody else. Amen. And so I go to pray for her. And as I touch her, I hear the Lord speak to me, neurological connections. He speaks it to me three times. And while he's speaking, I see this blue electricity going back and forth over her head and I see this blue lightning bolt coming down on top of her head and so you know I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed but I felt like God was probably doing something at that moment because that wasn't my normal common everyday experience amen and so and so after after a few moments uh, I, I stretch out my hand I say neurological connections the third time and when I say it the woman all of a sudden she goes I see I see I see. And so, so I stick out my hand. And I say, hey, do you think you could do something you couldn't do before? So she takes my hand. Supernatural strength comes into her legs and she stands up out of the wheelchair. And she takes my hand and she's walking with me slowly. She, she doesn't, she does not, she, she's not moving fast because she, her legs are still getting stronger even she's speaking. And I'm moving with her a little bit and pretty soon some, you know, she's talking to me. She said, oh man, isn't God good? And I'm laughing because I'm thinking like, well, yeah, he's good. You're walking, right? And then she says, I knew God was going to heal me today. And I'm like, I'm glad you did because I had no idea. Right. And so like, like God touches with this woman, the other ladies in the church come over. They pretty soon they're talking to her. There's a man that's standing by the, by the pulpit. That's her husband. He's got tears coming down his cheeks. And I walk over to him. I say, Hey, tell me what's going on here. He goes, well, my wife had a stroke a year and a half ago. And not only could she not walk, she couldn't even talk. I thought she got healed when she got out of the chair. I thought that God just wanted her to walk. I found out she got healed the moment she said, I see, I see, and she began to talk. See, a lot of times we try to go based on this reality, amen? See, my reality and what I saw with my natural eyes, it paralyzed me thinking, you know what? I can't make this woman walk and I haven't heard anything from the Lord. But God wasn't just interested in healing her. He was interested in making her whole. And what God wants to do in the way that he wants to speak to us and the things that he wants to show us in terms of the things that we would see of his reality are actually to defy our own ability so that we can actually begin to see 
things that are far beyond what we thought we would be able to experience or the people around us would be able to experience. I mean, here, I tell people all the time, I'm living proof that God's desperate for men. I'm not, I'm not trying to be overly humble, but do, do, do you understand what happened there? That's an awesome story. I mean, it's an awesome story. At the same time, do you realize, like, all I did was be a parrot? What a mighty man of God I am. I could repeat after God. Wow. I played that game with my kids. All I did is simply say what God said and simply just release what he did. You know, that's all God's looking for us to do. Do you know that if you can be a parent, that God could use you? Like we think he needs us somehow. All he's doing is trying to avail himself to us. And we get to be a part of what he's doing. If we'd simply just be sensitive to the things that he wants to show us. And the things that he wants to hear from us. And we would step into the middle of that. And just begin to release that. We get to see miracles. See, like, this is like the way God operates. Like, instead of working out of this formula or this systematic thing, it's like, you could be in a grocery store. You're just enjoying God. You know, I, I enjoy my life too much right now. No, I mean, just too much. It's not even fair. Because I don't really get stressed out about things anymore. I just get stressed about, uh, out about all kinds of things in terms of ministry and all that. And all I do is just, I just show up and be me. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a scientific principle that says that if you sing in your own voice, that you won't lose your voice. But if you try to sing in somebody else's voice, the more you sing, eventually your voice will, you'll lose your voice. It'll get tired and you'll lose your voice. <laughs> I, I was just in a meeting la, uh, a couple weeks ago. In, where was that? North Carolina. And I'm preaching in North Carolina. And afterwards, about a week later, I get a call from the pastors. They go, you know what? We were so convicted after you left. Because you did like three meetings that go like five hours long and, and you don't seem like you get tired. And then after the meetings are done, you still are sitting there shaking hands with people and talking with people. And they said, we were so convicted because we get tired like in about 45 minutes. They said, we knew that it had to be supernatural. You know what the key is? Just being yourself. You don't get tired when you're sell, yourself. Not that you don't ever get tired at all, but you don't get tired in the same way. You know, See, like if you're trying to perform, if you're trying to perform, you get worn out. See, like the funny thing is I'm actually wired the way that I preach. Like some people, they try to teach people how to preach. Like you should move around a little bit and you should probably move your voice up. My, my kids, if I'm at home, I'm on the phone and I pace when I'm on the phone. I'm just wired that way. And I talk loud and I have all girls in my house because I have four daughters. And my daughters are kind of like, Dad, could you be quiet? We can't even sleep. You're on the, I'm on the phone. I'm upstairs. So I have to go out on the deck and my house and stuff like that when they're in the house, in their bedroom downstairs because they can still hear me talking because I'm just a loud person. But see, the key is we're not supposed to be trying to be like everybody else. And it's not about the external and the external realities and the models that we see. Simply, if you could just be who you are. See, God's not a hypocrite. God doesn't act like something that he's not. He shows up and healing happens because he is healing. God prophesies because he is prophecy. He is peace. He doesn't show up and try to perform to be something. He just is himself. Do you know how much more we would see in the kingdom of God if we just had the liberty and the freedom just to be ourselves in God? If we would just enjoy him and enjoy people? Oh, do you know how much fun you would have? People would start to say things about you. 
Religious people would say they, they should not be so happy. They should not be so happy. They're, they must not be doing something right, right? They don't seem humble enough. You know, because here's the biggest problem in the church. The biggest problem is most people in the church in the Western world think that they're nothing. And because one person had an ego, you know, one out of ten churches, then we built that for everybody. You're not nothing. God didn't die for nothing. He died for something. And if you actually want to get down to the gospel, if you're a born-again Christian, you're not nothing. You're dead. It's worse than you thought. You're dead. It's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that lives inside of you. Amen? <laughs> and you're a new, cre- new creation. See, I believe it's blasphemy to say you're nothing. I believe it's blasphemy somehow to say that Jesus Christ is nothing. I mean, how can we come in and worship God and say he's the God that's all possible and then say God can't do things through us, that we would limit God, that we're so powerful somehow that, that we can limit God from being able to do things through us. Because we have insecurities, and our insecurities are really to magnify ourselves rather than to magnify our God. And the real issue is how do we get our eyes off of ourselves and get our eyes onto God? Because when you've been with God and God's spoken to you, you're not thinking about yourself. You're so excited about what God said. Your insecurities, they, they kind of vanish in light of what His Word is to you. Amen? <laughs> See, Jesus is able. He's able to do every single thing that he said that he was able to do in and through you. (laughs) When he speaks to you, everything changes. Everything shifts. (laughs) You don't have to perform. You know, one of the reasons why we have such a hard time reaching out to people, even in the church, we're guarded all the time because we don't really have a revelation of our own acceptance. And because we don't have revelation of our own acceptance, then we reject people before they reject us. And then we can't be evangelists in the world. Why? Because we're afraid that they're going to reject us. When we're supposed to know that we're so loved and accepted by Jesus that we don't care whether they reject us or not, we still have love to give. Uh, You know, one of the guys that I've had a privilege of ministering with on several occasions is Todd White. And Todd and, and, and Todd and I and one other guy, we were, we were in Applebee's one time. And Todd just loves people. And all he does is everywhere he goes, he just loves people. He doesn't care if they like him or not. He walks up to them and shakes their hand and gives them a hug and tells them he loves them. And says, hey, how you doing, bro? Hey, I felt like there's a pain in your shoulder. Can I pray for you? He just showed them love and acceptance. And then they didn't even know he's a Christian. They said, oh, are you some kind of an intuitive healer? He said, oh, hey, just let me pray for you. He prays for them. Then they get healed. They go, oh, my gosh, the pain's gone. What do you believe? He said, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. See, like he didn't try to make it like, oh, man, if you accept me and Jesus and you accept the, you know, the, that, then you can be in the Jesus club because I'm in the Jesus club. No, he just gave them love. And as he gave them love, then he gave them the kingdom. And then they wanted to know where this came from. And then they wanted the kingdom. And then they came to Christ. 
So we, we're in this Applebee's, me, Sean Smith, who speaks the Jesus culture, um, um, Todd White, and one other guy. And we go, you wouldn't know who he is. He's a friend of mine that lives in the same city that I live. We walk into Applebee's, and we walk in, the, in, in this place. We start prophesying over the gal that's in the lobby. As we're prophesying over her for a little while, pretty soon her fiancé comes over. We prophesy over him. We go sit down at our table, and pretty soon the guy, he's a, he was a, a, a waiter in the restaurant, but he wasn't our waiter. So he comes over to the table and says, hey, you guys were speaking some things that you said were from God. And so he says, I have some questions about that. He says, and, and so right in the middle, literally, of him trying to ask us the questions, Todd stops him. And Todd says, you know what? You've been thinking about killing yourself. You've been thinking about taking your life, but you're not going to kill yourself. You're going to give your life to Jesus today. And the only reason why you haven't killed yourself is because this fiance of yours, she's been like a savior to you, but you're going to give your life to Jesus. And right there in the middle of Applebee's, he gets down on his knees. He lifts up his arms, and he begins to pray the prayer to give his life to Jesus Christ. And you know what? The people in the restaurant applauded. The enemy wants to get you caught up thinking, you know, somehow that everybody's against you and get you focused that everybody's against you and the enemy's against you. And God is trying to get you focused on his reality. He's trying to get you to focus on what he's saying. Do you know what the bondage breaker of the Lord is? It's the will of the Lord. You want to see bondages break? You want to see rejection break? You want to see sickness and disease go? You want to see people receive the heart of God and begin to get destiny in their lives so that they get, they get delivered from disappointment and discouragement? Get the word of the Lord. The Lord speaks in the will of the Lord. It causes bondages to break and the enemy has to flee. All you got to do is be, be yourself and enjoy him and he will download you. Like, I, I found this out. I spent 30 hours a week with the, with the Lord in prayer for three straight months. And the Lord didn't speak to me like one thing for three straight months or for three weeks of that three straight months. And I was mad at God. I was like, God, I've spent 90 hours in prayer and you haven't spoken one thing to me. What's going on? You must not love me. You know, what's going on? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, he said, after a little bit, he didn't speak to me right on my demand. Like he didn't let me throw a tantrum and then speak to me. He, did. he let me throw my tantrum and then let me sit on it for a little while. And then he finally speaks to me and he says, hey, he says, he says, are you here to be with me or to see what I can do for you? He'll cut right through your agenda. <laughs> Real quick, Amen. He just wants to give you a perspective as his reality. Here's what I learned by that. God just wants friends. He doesn't need friends. He just wants friends. He, he made you. He designed you. And he wants to be your friend. And we see church and we see religion like somehow that there's a God out there that somehow that we're trying to tap into when we feel like we need to break through somehow. But we don't really enjoy the friendship of God. And here's what it is. Like the Bible says that there's a scripture that God likes to share mysteries with his friends. Have you ever just hung out with somebody that's your friend? And when you're hanging out with them, all of a sudden they drop mystery on you, like in the sense of like they share something that's vulnerable. They share something that's personal. They share something that's intimate. And the reason why you get to be a part of it is because you were just hanging out with them. You just happened to be at the right place sharing time 
and space. And God says that, you know, when I'm just hanging out with you, it's not like, oh, I want to give you stuff on demand because I'm supposed to be your puppet. No, it's like you're my friend, and now I just want to share things with you, and I want to drop things on you, and I want to show you what my reality is, and I want to give you my reality, and I want to allow my reality to to actually manifest through you so not only you would experience it, but so that your friends and family would be able to experience it. It's way easier than we think it is. Do you know, like, the harder you try, the harder uh, the harder you try, the worse it gets. It seems the opposite because we're like, you got to be hungry. you got to be thirsty. And it feels so intense. Oh, my gosh, i got to go after God. i got to clench my fist and i got to get into this thing. And the reality is like, you just got to relax. And it's in those moments where you're just being yourself and you're being relaxed and all of a sudden, God surprises you. He surprises you. He surprises you with solutions, with the authority of his reality over the problems of your reality. He surprises you by doing that for other people that are around you. And he uses you as a vessel to bring the kingdom of God here. See, like in Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible actually says that Jesus is waiting on you. you Because the church to there are like the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. Like we're just waiting for God to fix all our problems. Waiting for God. Oh, God, can't you see what's going on with the elections? Oh, my gosh, it's chaos on both sides. doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat. It's just chaos everywhere we go. God, please fix this. Lord, can't you see the financial problems that are going on? Can't you see the sickness and disease that's going on? And the Bible says that Jesus is sitting down. It says that he's waiting. Here's what I think is happening in the Western World Church, although I think there's a shift right now because there's awesome stuff happening. You know, there's revival breaking out in San Diego. There's revival breaking out in, in Seattle, Washington. There's two revivals breaking out in, in Virginia. One of them, I believe, is the purest I've ever seen in terms of that. They say it's the biggest revival that's ever hit the state of Virginia before. The high school students are getting saved, and the high school students are, 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 are saying it's cool to worship Lord. The men are going to work and winning their coworkers to work. You know, That's the kind of revival I'm looking for, like an awakening. It's not just extended meetings it's like ooh, i'm getting goosebumps just even talking about it man but people are go- everywhere they're going you know football games are turning into prayer meetings before and after you know god's like showing up in places you know and, and the students are, are are being rocked the teenagers are evangelizing and, and, and it's powerful there's a move of god in the state amen it, that's just something that stays inward and stays in the church amen but like in hebrews chapter 10 which says you know see here's what i believe the church oftentimes that we're waiting on god And God's really waiting on us. And a lot of the prayer movement oftentimes has been this thing about isolation, like somehow we're going to isolate ourselves from the rest of the world and that we think that we're intercessors when the reality is that even when God told us to pray, the word pray actually meant that God would change our heart. And if he changed our heart, then, then it actually means not only that you would pray, but you would become a solution for the very things that you pray for. I'm not speaking in tongues. I'm just speaking quickly. Hallelujah. I mean, so it's a setup. God says, pray. When you pray, now it's going to change you, and now you're going to become the solution for the thing you pray. So you're not praying for someone else to go out and evangelize. You're you're praying that God would change your heart, and then you're going to be the one that's going to evangelize. See, intercessors thought they got a free pass somehow. So I get to go in a small room, and I get to pray, and I never have to have any conflict with the world. I'll leave that to somebody else that I'm praying for. That's not what it was about. So you... so. So God's waiting on us. Waiting on what's what? To get a revelation of who we are? 
See, people are waiting on the sovereignty of God. Here's the problem. The sovereign plan of God has already been made known in terms of how he wants to reach this planet. It was you. It was you all along. He put his spirit in you. It was his goal. It was his desire. It was his plan. It was his destiny that he said, you know what? I'm going to take my spirit and I'm going to put it in my people. And I'm not going to be limited to a, to a geographical location. I'm going to multiply myself. I'm going to reproduce myself. And the sovereignty of God, the kingdom of heaven, my reality will be displayed through my people. And people will know that I'm not dead, that I'm alive, because I will reproduce what it is that I do from my kingdom over and over again through all of my people. That's who he called us to be. Do you know why they call us Christians? They call us Christians because we did what Jesus did and we spoke what Jesus spoke. That's the anarchs, right? But even more than that, do you know why? You know, see, like people, I mean, people don't like to talk about Jesus in our culture sometimes, you know, politically correct wise. But you know what they really don't like to talk about? Christ. We're okay with a cute baby Jesus at Christmas. Oh, isn't Jesus so cute? Just laying there in the cradle. Oh, I love baby Jesus. There's no conflict. There, you know, he, he, you can just look at him. He's not telling anybody what to do. It's just a goo goo gaga. You know, it's all good, right? He started talking about Christ. Why? Because he's just a baby. He's flesh. He's cute. But see, Christ was about, Christ was about the, um, the Christology of God, the divinity of God. So he talks about Christ in you. He's not talking about Jesus in you. He's talking about Christ in you. He's talking about the divinity of God, the supernatural. That's the buzzword for the supernatural. Sorry for spitting on you. <laughs> it's anointed spit, hopefully. But we're all anointed. It's the same Jesus, amen? You see, but see, Jesus was about the humanity aspect of God because he was considered to be fully God and fully man. And so it's about the, see, before we know Jesus Christ, what we do is we relate to him as a man. As a, in the flesh, he got hungry like we got hungry. He got tempted like we got tempted. He got tired like we got tired so we could relate to Jesus. While we were yet still sinners, he loved us. And it was in that place that we could relate to Jesus. Now we get born again, and we don't just relate to Jesus by our flesh anymore. So everybody's all, well, I'm just human. And we think somehow it's great to build ourselves up in the church as human. The only person that wants to build you up as a human being is the devil. God's not speaking to you about how human you are. He's speaking to you about how supernatural you are. They, you were born again with the sporogeneo of God. The seed and the genes of God is what that means. You have a supernatural father and you were born to be supernatural. You have his very DNA inside you. You can't help but be supernatural. It's who you are. All you got to do is show up and just avail yourself. And somehow, at some point, God is going to download you with something. And there's going to be a manifestation of his reality. And the only one that can stop you from doing that is you. Because you come in agreement with what you're not rather than what you are. See, the devil's more scared of what you can do than, than we are. He has more revelation of who we are than we are. We go into a place where there's darkness, and the Bible says that, that we are the light, and the darkness can remain no more. But so why is the church, why is the church retreating from the darkness? Revelation of who you are says you don't have to retreat, because the darkness automatically will retreat. It has no choice. And when the darkness gets pushed back, then the light comes and revelation begins to illuminate so people can see the reality of the kingdom of God. All you got to do is show up. 
It's not a performance. You don't even have to, you don't even have to have something ready to go when you get there. You just have to know Him rather than know all of the opposition and all of the rejection and all the circumstances, situations going on the place. All you gotta know is the light. This isn't my message, by the way, this morning. You're the sovereignty of God. You're His sovereignty. He just wants to speak to you. He just wants to be your friend. He just wants you to be who you are. He just wants you to show up over and over again, not just to church. Saying, hey, I stayed saved another week and I made it back. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And then the church lived in this place for so long. We, we just taught people that they should be fearful. And we had to retreat and we had to isolate from everything. See, but the, the true spirit of an overcomer is that we've overcome that and we're not fearful. We could go back into the same circumstance situations without letting that define us. That was part of what the Lord spoke to me at the beginning of the year is that we have to be careful not to allow people and circumstances and situations to define us. God doesn't want other things defining you in this hour. Even the church itself is being defined by the world right now rather than being defined by what Jesus is saying about who the church is. I was talking about Daniel 7.25 this weekend. And in Daniel 7.25, it, it says this. It says, it says, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High. He shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change the times and the law. And the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and a half a time. One of the first things that you see here is this is an antichrist spirit. It's trying to push back. It's trying to get you to govern by information that's void of revelation. It's trying to keep you from being who yourself. It's trying to keep you from being able to hear from him, from being friends with God. And so in this place, it says, first he speaks pompous words against the Most High. He's trying to get us to make concessions. Because if he would make concessions, then routine becomes a thing that destroys wonder in our lives. So that we would not begin to look to God for surprise. And we would start to look out of a place of disappointment and a place of discouragement. And we live by the words that are being spoken by those that are in opposition to the Spirit of God. And we start to believe in that reality more than his reality and then we begin out of that to form our own agendas and our own conclusions about how we think that life is going to go and it gets us to make concessions instead of believing that God is the God of the impossible we believe that God is able to do something sometimes when we show up at church when the atmosphere is just right and the keyboard's just right and people sing just right and the person prophesies just right or ministers in a particular way but see God's an atmosphere all by himself you know what I found? Some people, some people tell me this. I'm not saying that this is wrong, but some people say, you gotta come expecting. Come where? Because most people mean to church. Come expecting. That's great. Expect God, but you know, God's an atmosphere. You know what I found? God likes to show up in places where you don't expect Him to move. He loves it. He actually loves it when the odds are against Him. He actually likes that even sometimes when the odds are all for him because he's like, oh, well, everybody's just expecting that, right? But, you know, you come into some of the prophetic movement places and sometimes people are sitting there, okay, show me what you can do. All 
I've seen them all, man. I've seen I've seen Heidi Baker. I've seen I've seen Stacy Campbell. I've seen T.D. Jakes. I've seen I've seen I've seen Michael Maiden. I've, I, I don't, whoever it is, you know what I'm saying? Whatever, whatever prophet and priest, and you're like, okay, now show me what you can do. That's not, that's not what it's about. See, so then God, then God, you go somewhere else, and it's like I'm in Las Vegas, in Sin City, one of the worst places of Sin City at this YWAM base, and a woman comes darting across the street, and she's kind of like, you know, she's making these weird groaning noises, and she's rubbing herself up against the building. She's an African American lady, and for some reason, she all of a sudden she comes darting across the street. We were trying to pretend like we didn't even notice her over there. All of a sudden, she comes darting across the street, goes right past my friend that's with me, comes right up to me and says. Are you a minister? And I'm like, um, well, maybe kind of sometimes. Because I didn't really, I wasn't really excited about the opportunity. Honestly, I didn't know what this woman was going to do. She scratch my eyes out or what she's going to do. Because, you know, I, I, and, and she says, well, then all of a sudden she says, will you pray for me? And it melted my heart right there, right? And I said, well, what's wrong with you? And she goes, she goes well, you know, I, I have this, um, this confusion that's always in my head. And I hear voices in my head. And then she says, I have a disease that's called lupus. And I am in pain all the time from head to toe. And I prayed for her. And we prayed for her right in the middle of that parking lot. And God actually just showed up. And she, after we got done praying, she said she felt all this electricity. She felt this heat go through her body. She said all the voices, all the confusion left. She felt peace at that moment. And she said all the pain was in her body. She felt like God had totally healed her body right there on the spot. Right in the middle of Sin City. Amen. Right in the middle of the darkness, amen. I was teaching at that YWAM a, a couple months later, and, the, and these kids were there, and there was four of them. They were like sensationalists. They were against the they were against the things of the of the spirit of God. And so I'm teaching on that. And there's all of this opposition, and I let them process. But pretty soon God shows up. The first night He shows up, and He and He and He, and he um, um, heals this wo- woman or delivers her from demonic dreams for three and a half years. She would wake up in the middle of the night every night in this dormitory style thing and scream in the middle of the night. All of the other girls could hear. I pray for her that particular night. They didn't know if they believed in the supernatural. She sleeps through the night every night for the rest of the week while I'm there. And I believe she kept sleeping through the night the rest of the time after that. I just don't know what the report was. The next day, um, this, this one gal came to me and said, hey, I, don't, hey, I disagreed with everything you said today. And then um, so, so, uh, so she was doing this sign language kind of thing. I don't have time to explain all of it. But anyway, she was kind of in opposition to me. And, and, and so then the next day, this gal has crippling in her feet, ligaments that are crippling in her feet. We pray for her ligaments. She's supposed to get surgery the next week. God heals her feet, straightens out her feet. Her feet get healed. Amen. The next day, the next day, we prophesy over these kids. They don't believe in prophecy. They 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 get prophesied over. He wrecks. He wrecks. He reads the mail of the ones that are the most in opposition. They break. They start bawling like babies. Literally. I mean, they're just so broken for God. And then the next day, they're all they're all prophesying over people. They're prophesying over one. The ones that didn't believe in prophesying are now prophesying over one another. And then we're going on the streets and they're prophesying over. People on the streets and they're praying for people to be to be healed. And at the end of the whole thing, this gal that was in the most opposition to me, her and her friend, that were scared to death because they thought, well, you know, this stuff is not of God. They've been told that it is of the devil, kind of thing. I mean, the devil doesn't heal people; it's only God that does that, right? So on the last night, this gal, she says she's dancing around in the worship in the back. She comes up to me. She says, "Did you see me dance?" I said, "Actually, I did not." And she goes, "She goes, well, guess what? I had a knee that's all locked up, and 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 my knee it unlocked, and I started being able to dance around and stuff like that. God totally." healed my knee. I could never, I haven't been able to do that since I was a little girl because there's so much pain in my knee and God healed her supernaturally right there in the room. Amen. (laughs) 
See, see, we think God's gonna, God's gonna show up because everything's going our way. Amen. Cause, cause our reality is all just set up perfectly. The atmosphere is perfect. And the reality is like, God's like, I'm an atmosphere. I'm an atmosphere wrecker. I come into the room and the atmosphere shifts. The atmosphere changes. And I don't have to have an atmosphere that's created for me. I mean, you think about someone like Smith Wigglesworth, right? He goes into a funeral, wheels the casket down the middle of the, of the aisle, right? And then opens up the casket at the end, sticks his hand in the casket, grabs the man, pulls him out. The guy comes back to life and then, te- then tells the guy to get up. Hey, testify about what happened with your resurrection. How many know that'll ruin a funeral? Here we are in a funeral home talking about resurrections in the funeral. Amen. Maybe there'll be some dead in here that I hear the voice of the Lord and they'll just begin to resurrect right where they are right now. Yeah, I mean, this man, he's walking in so much anointing and so much authority. Like, he brings his wife back from the dead two times. Like, like the, the second time, he throws her up against the walls. I, I think he might have thrown her up against the wall more than one time. And his wife comes back from the dead. And you know what she says? She says, it's my time to go and to be with the Lord. I'm, this is my time to die. you got to let me go. And that will mess you up theologically. It wasn't the will of the Lord for her to come back from the dead. And he still walked in enough authority to raise her from the dead. Enough to get her to come back and give explanation. (laughs) That's crazy. That's crazy good from another reality. Amen. That doesn't exist in this reality, but it exists in this reality. But but it exists in his reality. And it says here, and he shall intend to change the times and the law. You know, it talks about the persecution here of the saints. Do you know that the word persecute, what it it actually means is to wear out. It doesn't mean to cut off your heads, although we're seeing some of that in the earth. But this particular scripture is talking about wearing out the saints. It's a picture of metal. It's a picture of rock that's grinding against each other. And it's the friction that is the wearing down of one another. It it is meant to wear you out. That's what the enemy is really trying to do in this day is to wear you out to the place that you would be in performance mode. And you would perform so you're so worn out and so disillusioned that you would no longer believe that God works anymore. Because you don't have intimacy and you don't have revolution. So you live in a place of disillusionment. That's not, that's not who he made you to be. He meant you to be one that is at rest. That doesn't mean you can't be busy, but you're supposed to be in a place of rest and peace. How do you know you're out of God's will? Because you have no peace. The Bible says that Jesus is peace, which means you've got to get a revelation. It's not based on your circumstances and situations. It's based on the peace of God. It's an internal reality of God. It's the kingdom of God that lives inside of you, and God doesn't want us to be worn out in that kind of a way. And the third thing that the enemy is really trying to do in this particular passage of Scripture, he's trying to inoculate us. You know, inoculation is like a shot. What happens when you get inoculated? You get a disease in your body. Your body builds up antibodies, and then it can fight the disease next time it comes back. See, what the enemy is trying to do is to get us to be like this inoculation where we feel like we come into church or we come into the presence of God or we go to the places that we live or places with our family, and we feel like we've already been there, done that, and our expectation is that it's going to be the same old thing rather than recognizing that we serve a God that's spontaneous and creative, and he wants to show up and at any moment speak something that we we were surprised by and that he would do it in a way that would blow people's mind with the reality of the kingdom of God rather than just seeing a religious people that keep doing the same thing. It's not the routine. It's his word. See here it talks about changing the times and the law. 
And what, the, what, this, what this means in my mind is what he wants to do is he wants to change the times and he wants to make it seem like we're living in a different time. Like there's a Walmart, um, like smiley face ball sometimes that jumps around on different things at different places, uh, you know, on prices when you watch the commercial. And, and it'll be like in a paper towels, for instance, and, then it, and it shows the price of today. And then it like jumps around on a bunch of different items and it comes back to the paper towels. And then the price changes like a price of yesterday. See, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to make us feel like we're living in another time when we're living in this time. He wants to get us to revert to an old covenant way of living where we believe that there's a God out there rather than a God that's in here, that we have to try to do it by the flesh than rather by the spirit. And the spirit of God is trying to get us to recognize that we're living in this time and in this hour. And that the enemy can feel like you're nothing or you're just human or you're without God, then he's one because he's got you to believe that you are a person that has to have God come upon you rather than recognizing it's the same spirit of Christ Jesus is in you. You don't just have to wait for a divine appointment. You are a divine appointment. Jesus. And the word law here, it actually is the word instructions. It equals the word instructions, and the word instructions is actually the word that you get from structure. And here, the problem is, is when we go back and we change the times of law, we go back to trying to make the structure the temple rather than recognize that we're the temple. The government of God was meant to be the people of God. It was supposed to come through you rather than just to come through a facility. It wasn't a religious experience or a religious meeting. It was actually a divine release of the kingdom of reality that was personal to who you are. It was a release of your identity. And here it is in this particular place. It's not a structure. It isn't a structure where we try to... You are the structure. You are the structure of the living God. You have the spirit of God. You have the soul and the ability to process. And you have the flesh to release it. And everywhere you go, you're the structure to release the kingdom of God. But this is talking about structure in terms of creating boundaries. In terms of creating limitation. And you were not meant to be limited. And it comes from this word information. It comes from this word information, which actually means to form thoughts, speculations, and strongholds. The enemy wants to get us to live by this reality where we begin to form thoughts about the way that we think things are going to go. So now that we'll have speculations, meaning what? That we will now come to circumstance situations and we will believe that they're going to happen the same way that they happened before because of what we've seen or what we've thought before. And now those speculations, they become strongholds. What's it all built on? It's all built on the government of Antichrist to limit you to the information of this reality rather than beginning to get the revelation of his reality so that you can see the government of God so that you can release the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. See, this is the way that God functions, and this is the way that God is. This is who he, in Isaiah chapter 2, it actually talks about the mountains of God. It's talking about the authority of God, and it's actually speaking there in terms of, and it talks about this thing, the law, again, the same word that's being used here, only the word in Isaiah chapter 2 in terms of the authority and the dominion and the release of the kingdom of God, is the word law, it actually means revelation. It means just as the word of God would speak to you. That's what it's talking about. It's speaking about the contrast to this thing in Daniel 7.25. It's speaking about a God. God who speaks rather than a God that's silent. That you're not just here to work it out on your own according to an old covenant way of doing things. It's not who you are. It's not who you are. That's why Jesus said, you know, in Matthew 16, what time is it? What time do you get done? 
Matthew, am I boring you? All right. Matthew, Matthew 16. Jesus comes down from Caesarea Philippi with his disciples, and he asks them, he says, he says, who do men say that I am? Some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, the prophet. They talk about that. And, and, then, and, then, and, then, and then Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter begins to say, he says, you're Christ, the son of the living God. And he just says it out. And Jesus said, this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood. It's not just information. This has been revealed to you from my Father in heaven. <laughs> and then Jesus says the things. And on this rock I will build my church. And the word church, it's not just talking about a gathering of people together. The word church is like the ecclesia. It's the called out ones. It's talking about a people that are going. Do you know that's who you are? Yeah. The ecclesia, that's who Jesus said that you are. Do you know that that means you're more anointed when you go than when you come? Because that's who Jesus said that you are. The very anointing of Jesus is activated on your identity. Jesus is the one that said that that's what you are. We've, we've been so ripped off from something in our culture thinking that it's just about going to church. That it's great to go to church and together and we need the relationship. And that is an awesome thing. But it's more than just going. It's just as much about going as it is about coming. It's who you are. Because people are always talking about the anointing. Some people are more anointed than others somehow. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus is the only anointed one. What we're really talking about is some people manifest more of the anointing than others. Why? Because they have more revelation. Because, you see, impartation causes revelation. And revelation produces activation. And activation actually causes there to be manifestation. That means you get to experience it. Amen? Am I giving you too much? Am I giving you too much in one day? So we got the deer in the headlight look starting to go, huh? It's like, I process all I can process for one day, huh? This guy talks way too fast. But Jesus, uh, Jesus says, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I mean, why do you think that the, that the gates of hell seem to be prevailing against the church? I believe this is the key. Because he says it's supposed to be something that's, 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 that's not built on flesh and blood. It's supposed to be by the Father in heaven. It says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And guess what he follows up with there? He says, he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Do you know that that is an inaccurate translation? But that is how most of our Bible translates things? Most of our Bibles translate? It actually says this. The original translation, I'll try to help you, Brent. Um, um, thank you for asking me to help you. Um, it actually says, if, it, it, says, it says, whatever you see bound in heaven is what you have the authority to bind on earth. Whatever you see loosed in heaven, that's what you have authority to loose on earth. I don't know how many charismatic and Pentecostal meetings that I've been in where people are binding and loosing all kinds of things and nobody's seen anything, but it's a great charismatic display of drama. It's a great performance, but see, the reality is Jesus says your authority comes from seeing. See, this is how... This is how Jesus functioned. Like, it wasn't just a good scripture. I mean, it ought, it ought to rock your world. Like, we've heard it said so much. It ought to rock the way we live. Jesus said the son could do nothing of himself. He said, I can only do what I see the father doing. I can only speak the things that I hear the father saying. And somehow we think that we can revert back to trying to figure out how to make the machine work all by itself, by our own effort and by our own flesh. And the son of God... Jesus Christ himself said, I can't do that. 
it doesn't work. He knew that it didn't work. But somehow the enemy keeps coming in and saying, oh, you know what? I think if I get enough information here, I could figure out how to make this thing work by myself. That's deception, huh? My friend Chris Valentin, he says, you know, the problem with being deceived is you don't know it, right? We walk in this thing pretty soon. We can say yes and amen. I need to hear from the Lord. And then pretty soon all we're doing is we're just reading the Bible and we're getting information from the Bible, but we're not actually hearing God speak to us about the Bible. How many know that the Bible says that about stuff? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Bible is not God. God is the God of the Bible. It's a testimony of the God. God and the Bible, if you want to honor the Bible, the way that you honor the Bible is by having a relationship with the God of the Bible. And the God of the Bible is the God that speaks. <laughs> That's who he is. He can't help it. <laughs> See, it doesn't even make sense to try to bind things in heaven. Why am I trying to bind and loosen things in heaven? Because it's saying if I bind them here, then it's going to bind them there. Why would I need to do that? I'm trying to get heaven to look like earth. I'm not trying to get earth to look like heaven. And if earth does, if heaven starts to look like earth, I don't want to go there. I was hoping for a better place. Hallelujah. God is good. Let me tell you one more story. I might have told you this story before too. And then I'm going to, and then I'm, and then I'm going to close with another scripture and we'll take our offering. Um, I was in um, Managua, Nicaragua. I just haven't told this story for a while, but I feel like telling it this morning, but I was in Managua, Nicaragua and I was there and we were praying for people and, um, in it, for an entrepreneurial conference. And then also in the evening we would go to churches and minister. As I was at one particular church minister that I've been there a couple times. And every time I go there, everybody gets healed in the place. I, don't, I do not know why, but everybody gets healed. It's not all revelation-based, but everybody gets healed. And that was, this night was no different. We had blind people healed. We had deaf people healed. We had crippled people healed. And um, so um, that night when I got done, I was tired. I was worn out. It was sweaty and, and it's humid and hot in and, and the country and stuff. I was trying to be myself still, but it was still hot. But um, I'm in the middle of, of this place, and, and I sit down. I'm tired and worn out. I'm, I'm ready to be done for the night. And um, this guy comes up to me and says, hey, will you go to the hospital with me tomorrow and pray for my sister-in-law? To be honest with you, I didn't want to go. I, I was trying. To, I had something else I had to do the next day. I had to teach in this entrepreneurial conference, so I was kind of like, okay, I don't want to do it. And so the, the guy was desperate, so I finally said yes. He goes the next day. I said, I tell you what, if you call me in my, my hotel room, they put out like a fleece. If I happen to be there, then I'll go with you. So he calls me first thing in the morning before I have a chance to even get up. And sure enough, I'm there. He's like, Pastor, I'm out front. Um, so I had to change my attitude and, and, and act like I was excited about it. Got in the car, went out. I said, okay, I'll, I'll be right there. I got out there. And on the way to the hospital, I realized I hadn't asked anybody the reason why uh, we were going to the hospital. Um, and he, and he, so he tells me, he says, um, he says, well, my sister-in-law has cancer and she's dying. And so I'm like, oh, okay, no big deal, no pressure. And so we're headed to the hospital, and um, I get to the hospital. I've never been to a third world hospital before, and I walk in, and people are just getting, like, um, medicines, um, like Advil or aspirin kind of medicines and stuff. They don't have, like, IVs, and they don't have all of the different medicines to help people with their pain. So people are dying, and they're in pain, and they get Advil. And so anyways, I go, I get escorted down the hallway into this room, and people are crowded into these rooms like sardines. I get escorted behind the sheet with this woman that's um, laying in the fetal position on her bed, and she's got family that's there. Anyways, I walk over to her. Um, 
um, I find out she doesn't know Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. She gives her life to Jesus. And I, and I actually, at this point, I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm, I have somewhere else I need to be and stuff like that. And I'm just like, okay, praise God. If she dies, at least she's going to heaven. That was my thought. I did my good Christian duty. So I get ready to walk away, and I feel like the Holy Spirit goes, uh-uh-uh. That's not why I called you here. And I knew because I had an impartation not long before that in terms of healing. We were seeing like all kinds of people be healed everywhere that we went. And so I knew that the Holy Spirit was asking me to go back and to pray for this woman to be healed. So I go back and it's not very comfortable because everybody's really close together. So, you know, I'm not part of the culture. I don't speak the language. I'm having an interpreter. And so I'm basically telling this woman that, you know what, I believe God wants me to call cancer to come out of your body and that God wants to heal you today. So I pray for, I pray, I, I, she agrees and she, she has me um, pray for her and I pray for her and as i get ready to as i'm praying for her literally she begins to sit up in the bed and i pray for her for a little while longer and then pretty soon i ask her i said do you think you could do something you could couldn't do before now i didn't know it but she had actually had not been able to sit up for 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 some time now and she hadn't been able to get up out of the bed i don't remember how long now and so i i stick out my hand and she's sitting there with her feet dangling over the bed and she's sitting there you could tell that the pain the countenance in her face had changed where she didn't look like she was in as much pain as she was in she grabs my hand and literally she gets out of the bed like supernaturally she gets out of the bed she walks to the middle of the hospital room she lifts up her hands she starts screaming and yelling and just celebrating so much so that like everybody everybody like um is screaming and, and celebrating with her you know like and so, a lot of commotion so much so that all of the doctors and the nurses they come into the room to see what's going on so so anyways i to be honest with you i'm not even enjoying the miracle like i'm kind of thinking i got somewhere else to be like can we get this over with kind of a thing and so i'm trying to figure out how to congratulate this woman from being healed shake her hand, family and friends and say okay congratulations I, I gotta go now you know try to give my condolences and so finally after some time I, I i get a chance i feel like i'm gonna go so i get ready to go eat what are you guys judging me for you know you've been the same place huh god interrupted your schedule somewhere before too right amen so i'm trying to walk out of the room and as i'm walking out of the room a woman grabs me by my right arm and she says will you pray for me she's got an oxygen tank laying on her bed next to her with tubes going up around her body and into her face and and and, and she, she says will you pray for me and i start to pray for her. before i even actually get words out of my mouth she takes the tubes pull them out of her nose the nurses come over and they say she's healed and honestly i'm the biggest skeptic in the room i'm kind of like are you sure they say she can go home i'm like are you sure i don't want her to walk down the hallway fall down hit her head you know and now get killed or something like that because everybody said she was okay i said in the united states we do tests we run tests first so, nope, they say she can go. So she gets to go. And so now, again, I think I'm going to leave again. And the doctors have gone back to work. Most of the nurses have stayed in the room. I, I'm walking out. This other woman, she stops me on my left side. I'm almost to the door, and she stops me. I almost was out of there. She said, will you pray for me? She has a tumor where her neck and her shoulder meet. And we lay hands on that tumor right there. And the tumor dissolves underneath our hands. It wasn't just a healing. It was a miracle. God heals three women in about 15 to 20 minutes. Now, the nurses walk over to me and they say, hey, we can't do anything for these people. And they say, do you think we could escort you around the hospital and have you pray for all the sick people? Now, I don't know if you realize this. Hospitals are full of sick people. I was going nowhere for the day. I can't tell you how many people got healed that day. I can't tell you how many people got saved that day. All I can tell you is a lot of people got saved and a lot of people got healed that day. Amen. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. Amen. Isn't he good? <laughs> Hallelujah. He's worthy. See, the revelation of God is the government of God. Information void of revelation. (laughs) 
is the government of Antichrist. God did not leave you limited in this reality. God broke the limitations off of your life by giving you access to another reality that you could bring that reality into this reality. In Galatians chapter 6, it talks about that. And I'm going to talk about that in terms of our giving, but it's about the supernatural as well. I don't know if somebody could pass out these these giving envelopes um, to people as we get ready to take our offering in a moment. But here's what I'm asking you to do before you decide what to do. I am asking you for your sake, not for my sake, to ask God what he would say for you to do. Because the power... The power of breaking things open in terms of the reality of heaven, in terms of provision, in terms of healing, and in terms of the prophetic, whatever it might be, is God speaking. And if he would speak to you, not just go through the motions, but he would speak to you and you would do what he say, I guarantee you there will be a shift. It's not a maybe anymore. If you just do what I tell you to do, eh, maybe something good might happen, maybe. Luckily, but if God speaks to you and you do what He says, there's a huge difference. And I'm going to tell you because out of in Galatians chapter six, a lot of people have perverted this and said this in a wrong way in the past. It says it says that God will not be mocked by mere pretensions. What's He saying? By going through the motions. This is true of everything. God doesn't God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. See, it's not a money thing. It's a heart thing. The way that we keep God from moving on our behalf is saying, I can do it by myself. And the way that we've given in the past by, with a lot of people, and you go on TBN and different things, it, it's all flesh. It's not the spirit of God. And then we wonder why we don't have the breakthroughs in our lives because God never spoke to us. We just did it ourselves, and we basically told God, you know what? We just want you to bless what we're going to do. And see, the next part of the verse, it says this. It says, whatever a man would sow, he should also reap. How many know it's not just about sowing? It's about harvest. The Bible actually says there's a place where you can reap where you have not sown. It talks about a harvest. It says, whatever a man would sow. Look look what it says. The word man here, it's not a good thing. It's It's a negative. The word man is speaking about a man or a woman that does not know the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on. It says, whatever a man or a woman who does not know the Holy Spirit would sow, it says, in the original language, see, in, the, in, in most translations it says that, that is what they would reap. But the original language says this, that and that only is what they will reap. In other words, you will only get what you can do by your own ability. That's what it's saying. Do you know what the word reap means? The word reap means to manifest. That means that something that you have will actually tangibly manifest so that you can touch it and so that you can experience it for yourself. That's what the manifestation of the glory of God is. See, now you say, okay, well, that sounds like a lot to understand. Go to the next part of the scripture. It makes it real simple. If you sow by the flesh, you'll reap by the flesh. In other words, if you do things by your own ability then that's all you're ever going to get. I don't know about you, but I never got saved for that reason. I needed Jesus to do things for me in every area. And sometimes, you know, we'll make it about a lot of different things, but it needs to be about Jesus in every area. 
See, this scripture is not speaking just about finances. This scripture is speaking about the supernatural. But I don't know about you. I think we need the supernatural in our finances. How many need some supernatural in your finances? And see, if you're a harvest person, see, you, you, you can't not want to win souls and not be a financial person, even though I've not, I'm not a prosperity preacher. But the Bible says there will be a transfer of the wealth of the wicked to the righteous. And it speaks, it speaks there that Jewish people will actually come to the Lord because of the provision in your lives. So you can't say, well, finances don't matter because they matter to God because he is actually going to show that there's a time coming that people will be prospering because they actually are hearing the voice of God and it won't make sense by what they normally do. It'll make sense because his reality invaded the reality of their finances and it's going to cause even people that have been wealthy in the past to say, you know what, I need what you have because you're navigating a season where what used to work didn't work anymore. Am I making sense to you? So it says, if you sow in the flesh, if you do it by your own ability, you won't be able to do it. So this fits everything that we've been talking about. I'm not changing the message. And it says there, on the last part of this, it says this. It says, on, in the contrast aspect, it says, if you sow by the Spirit, you'll reap by the Spirit. What does he mean by sow? He means just do what God says. That's what it means to do. God speaks to you, and you do what he says in obedience. See, this is, like, this is as good as it gets, because God could tell someone, hey, you should give a dollar. And that might be something for somebody. But he could tell someone else you're supposed to give 100 or someone else they're supposed to give 500 or whatever. And it's, it's not about the amount. It's about the obedience. It's about doing what God said to do. But sometimes what we do is we just go, uh, every offering I give $20. Every offering I give $25. And then we're like, all, all that really means is that you're $25 short. Unless God told you to. You see what I'm saying? There's a difference. Because it's not about the amount, it's about the obedience. <laughs> we just took an offering um, um, last week for $100,000 for children at risk. And we do that all over the United States. We raised a million dollars for children at risk because, you know, they got, they got these kids that are like in cages. Seven, eight years old girls rescuing them out of sex slave industry. They, 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 they go over in the, and, and, and they, they ask these perverted men, you know, you want to buy for an hour. For $1,000, you can buy and make you your sex slave for the rest of your life. $1,000 rescues kids, <laughs> rescues a life. <laughs> you see, we don't even believe this stuff is real. Anyway, that's a whole other subject. It says here in... And this part says, if you do what God says, that you'll make a difference. It says that if you do what God says, if you sow by the Spirit, you'll reap a manifestation of the Spirit. Do you know what it says from a personal standpoint? It says you'll reap, you'll see a manifestation of eternal life. You know what the word is for eternal life? The word is sozo. It's the Greek word sozo. Do you know what that means? That means that you have an inheritance that's been given inside. Do you know what that inheritance is? Equals, this is why we know this isn't just about finances. Because sozo means that, yeah, you'll go to heaven, but it also means it's all of your inheritance. It means that you're already healed. It means you've already been healed. It means that you have already been made successful. It means that you actually have already been provided for. Every single thing that Jesus already paid for, the inheritance. And so do you know what this scripture is saying? This is what this scripture is saying. Because Christians, honestly, we're weird. We are weird beings because we will just believe stuff. We'll live in delusion. We'll live in whatever place because we'll think, okay, well, I got it. I got it. The Bible says I got it. And we're okay with that. 
But the Bible says something more. It says here that if you actually hear his voice, you won't just have it. It will come out and you can experience it. So if God speaks to you, it won't just be that you have a theological understanding that you have been healed. You'll experience healing. There will be a manifestation of your healing. You won't just be successful in terms of like, oh, well, Jesus loves me and he thinks I'm a good person, so I must be successful. It will be like you will see tangible manifestation of your success. It won't be when it comes to provision, when it comes to your finances. It won't be like, well, Jesus said all of his riches and glory are mine and I just believe it. I just am having positive thoughts about all that I have. No, you will actually see a manifestation of it. You see what I'm saying? Does that make sense to you? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different kind of thing. See, this is, this is not just about finances. This is about the supernatural. See? See what I'm talking about? The government of God. How much, you want govern, God's government on your life? You want the manifestation of harvest in your life? This is what the Bible's saying. That if you would have his revelation about the information, that there would be manifestation in your life. How many want manifestation? How many want to experience for yourselves, right? You don't want to just, you don't just want to read about the promises of God. You don't want to just look over the Jordan River and see people living on the promised land side from the east side saying, oh man, I wish I had what they had. Look at their big grapes and look at what God's doing over there. I sure wish I could have that for myself. And the Bible says you can. You can make a difference. You can make a difference for kids around the world. You can make a difference in your life at the same time, all by hearing the voice of God. <laughs> so, Lord Jesus, we thank you right now. So I'm asking you to hear the voice of God for yourself. There's envelopes that are there. You can write a check out to Revival Crime Ministries. You can give by cash. You can also give by a debit card. There's also a place to partner with our ministry if that would be something that God would lead you to do in the midst of that. But right now, I want to pray for your offerings. And I want to pray for God to cancel every debt. And I want to pray that God would begin to do something amazing with this, that God would not be proven a liar. So I'm going to ask you, if you would just take your offering envelope, if you would just hold it toward heaven, and we're going to ask God to bless it right now. I believe that it's already blessed, but we're, I'm going to, I want to pray for it right now. We want to give it assignment in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for every offering and for every, every attentive heart and every one, Lord God, that would hear you speak. And Lord, if, those, if there's someone here, Lord God, that has not heard you speak yet, Lord God, we, Lord God, we just ask, Lord God, for clarity, that it wouldn't be a performance thing, Lord God, but it would be a thing of peace. And Lord, I'm asking right now, Lord God, that every debt, every debt, every debt, every debt would be canceled in the name of Jesus right now, Lord God. Lord, we, 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 monies that are owed, Lord God, to people, Lord God. Lord God, we're praying, Lord God, for credit card debt to be canceled in the name of Jesus. I'm praying for a credit report repair in the name of Jesus. Doctor bills, Lord God. Dentist bills in the name of Jesus. I'm praying for forgiveness in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Even, Lord God, for someone in here, Lord God, that owes someone money, Lord God, from a personal loan, Lord God, I pray for that forgiveness of that loan in Jesus' name. Lord, Lord God, we pray for the business ideas, Lord God, that you have for the people in this room, Lord God. How many, how many have an entrepreneurial 
an entrepreneurial heart. Just lift up your hand. Just lift up your hand. We're going to pray right now. Lord, we pray for that entrepreneurial thing, Lord God, as you're raising up entrepreneurs right now all over the body of Christ, Lord God. I've never seen so many entrepreneurs and so many creative people, Lord God, that have begun to manifest in the kingdom of God. So right now, Lord God, we pray for those business ideas, Lord God. We ask for blueprints, Lord God. We ask for strategies, Lord God. Even as I was reading about a man, Lord God, that did his business, Lord, that blew up, Lord God, into a clothing store, Lord God. And all he did is absolutely do what you said every step of the way, Lord God. He didn't even know what he was doing, Lord God, that it was so blessed, Lord God. We're asking for that kind of revelation knowledge, Lord God, to come upon business people, Lord God, that they wouldn't just be people that were surviving, Lord God. They're not just pay- paying the bills, Lord God. We're asking for you to breathe on businesses, Lord God. Lord God, that you would finance everything that you want to do in and through them, Lord God. Lord God, it's not just about financing other ministries, but about financing their ministries, Lord God. I'm asking in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for that idea, that idea, the one that hesitating. You've been hesitating and you're not sure if it's been a green light. The Lord said, I see green. It's a green light. It's time to move out. You made a mistake before. You felt like somehow it's made you hesitate. You feel like it's God. It's a God thing. And this next season, you've learned some things. You're going to move into another season. There's a new favor on it. We're asking for the wind of God on it. Wind of God. It's on it. Wind of God on it in Jesus name. Spirit of the living God right now. In Jesus, and Lord, we pray right now, Lord God, that you would break, you would break people out of nine to five living. Nine to five living, no more. No more nine to five living in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Unless somebody actually likes to work nine to five, Lord God, then be blessed and feel no guilt. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, we're no more exchanging dollars for hours, Lord God. We're asking for a freedom on the body of Christ. Because there are those in here, Lord Jesus, they have, they have creativity on them, Lord God. I feel like there's a lot of artistic people. If you're an artistic person, lift up your hand. There's a creativity, artistic aspect about who you are. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, we're praying, Lord God, for the creativity of God, that entrepreneurial thing, that creativity, Lord God, that art thing, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we're asking that you would bless it, Lord God, in this season, Lord God, as you would begin to expand it, begin to release it, Lord God, that it wouldn't be like the starving artist kind of a thing, Lord God, but it would be, Lord God, a new season, Lord God, a release, Lord God, an inspiration, a ministry, a provision in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) There's none like you, Lord. There's none like you, Lord. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment, there may be somebody in here and you say, you know what, I don't know if I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm not sure if I'm right with God. I don't know if I've heard the message the way I heard it today. But God's not wanting you to be religious. God's wanting you to actually have a relationship with him. Jesus wants to give you a brand new reality. He doesn't want your life to be the same as it was in the past your problems and your struggles and your circumstance situations, they don't have to be the same. He wants to give you a new reality. The Bible says, Jesus says this about himself. He says, I make everything brand new. He wants to make you brand new. He didn't come to give you a good paint job and fix you up and make you look good on the outside. He came to give you a brand new reality, a brand new heart, make you brand new from the inside out so that you don't have to perform to give you a brand new life, to give you the life of Christ himself. If you're here this morning, you'd say, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to know this Jesus. And you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I'm going to ask if you lift your hand toward heaven right now and say yes to Jesus. Thank you, sir. Anybody else this morning, you want to say yes to Jesus? Just lift your hand up high so I can see it if it's you. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise and we give you glory. There's none like you. Give you praise and give you glory. 
There's none like you. Sir, I would like you to come. Would you come and stand here with me right now? I know you lifted your hand. I want to pray with you. I know we just prayed with you, but we're going to pray right now. In the name of Jesus. Would you extend your hands toward this brother right now in the name of Jesus? And 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 we're going to, you can actually just even stand this way. You don't even have to look at him. I don't know if it's intimidating. No, no, no. I meant, I meant like you can turn toward me. This way. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I just looking at you face to face. You thought I was trying to put you on display, huh? Uh, go ahead and stand to your feet and, and, and just extend your hands toward this brother. First, give him a hand clap, man, for his, his, his bravery in the name of Jesus. Lord God Almighty, Lord, I thank you for this brother. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to ask you to pray with me. So in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I thank you for this brother right now in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I thank you for his soft heart and the softening of what you're doing in this hour and this season. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, for the mighty call of God that's on his life. Lord, I'm praying, Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that everything's shifting right now in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I just sense this, this is a new season. There's some things that are being let go. You're just learning to let some things go. Hmm. I sense a new sense of forgiveness in your heart. Hmm. I feel like the Lord says he just wants to break any feelings of failure off of your life. That somehow you failed others. You failed yourself. The Lord says you are not a failure. And the Lord says in this next season, I'm going to allow you to run and I'm going to allow you to do things that you would not have been able to do except out of your sense of failure. That you will do more as a man that had, that had felt like he failed than he would have if he had never failed. I break all the delay off of your life. And we just pray for a supernatural season of blessing. For all those that are these around, I pray for, I feel restoration and reconciliation. Thank you, Jesus. Now just pray with me. Jesus, everybody pray with me. Jesus, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my heart right now. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. And help me to live for you. I'm choosing today to die to myself. And I'm asking you, Jesus, to resurrect me in newness of life. Today I have been made brand new. I am not the same person. I'm not the same old man. I have been made brand new. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And Jesus, I am who you say I am. And I can do what you say I can do. Now help me to preach the gospel. To heal the sick. To cast out demons. And to raise the dead. (laughs) In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Spirit of God. We give you praise and we give you glory. There's none like you, Jesus. Give him a hand. Amen. Bless you, my brother. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you if you would all come together. And we're going to pray together as a group. And we'll pray over some of you. If you bring your offerings, there's a box in the front. You can just sit it there. Spread out from the left to right. And we'll just pray quickly. And for those of you that need to go, then you can go. And I will... Thank you so much for choosing this podcast from CFTN Payson. We are Church for the Nations in Payson, Arizona. We are a Bible-believing church and believe God has a word for you today. You can reach us at www.cftnpayson.com or you can give us a call at 928-444-8791. God bless you.